Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
from the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Andor Report. Clink, clunk, clink, clunk. <laughs> clink. Uh, I cannot tell if that is dramatic music with metal drums or that is the sound of assembling machinery against your will in a horrible prison. It, it is that, but also you're not wrong about the music. <laughs> I guess Which, I can yell, table five, hurry it up. And then you know, but. <laughs> now I just think I'm like in a in a pub in an old British mu- uh, movie. <laughs> Or, or musical. Uh, that was not, by the way, a dig against the music of Andor, which I yeah. am finding uh, continually uh, phenomenal. Uh, I love how much the music is sort of, uh, it, it matches the show so much. It is it is dark and, and uh, disturbing, but it always has this little glimmer of hope. And you're almost like, come on, music, bust out and get happy. <laughs> come on, get happy. Exactly. I am Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person making the wonderful uh, drum prison machinery noise is Ken Napsock. How are you, Ken? I am great. You can maybe tell by my voice, I am in a, a better mood this week over Andor where I was last week. Um, I apologize. Some people were a little upset that I said the word struggle on that episode. I'm human. I bleed. Um, so I'm happy. <laughs> Uh, I understand. Uh, I struggled this episode, is uh, but in a good way, I think. I feel like this uh, very difficult, very brutal episode of Andor wanted me to struggle. So good job, episode. Uh, mm-hmm. We always like to set the scene of uh, of our experience of watching the episode. Sometimes it's just fun fan stuff, but sometimes it's the honesty about how we absorb the episode because our lives affect what we see on screen. So Ken, what was your journey uh, to watch uh, episode eight, Narkina five uh, of Andor? Food and drink, and I got home right in time for the episode at midnight our time. Uh, yeah, uh, shout out to our friend Jennifer Miro. It was her birthday yesterday, and uh, had a little dinner party, and uh, raced home in a, in a very nice uh, Uber, um, and got home. So I had energy. I had a little pep in my step, maybe a little rum and diet, of course, through my veins. And I sat down with excitement to watch this episode. And I say that because last week, and I, I love setting the scene with you because I, I do think it's important how we take these in. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, I did not want to watch the episode of Midnight. I did not want to watch Andor. I did not. I just was like tired and grumpy and broke and broken. And I just was like, I don't want to watch this dour, somber Star Wars show right now. Uh, this week, I was like, you know what I want? A dour, somber, challenging Star Wars show. <laughs> it changes. And and I think it's I think it's sometimes, yes, for us as, re, as, as reviewers or people discussing it, it's important, but also even as fans, that can that can color how you take these episodes in at times. And and uh, so I'm in. I was a bit of a party mood, which is uh, you know we, weird. I kind of was at a you know a situation that kind of reminded me of Mothma's dinner. Uh, <laughs> in a conversation I had about cancel culture with someone who just assumed that me as a comic is uh, you know uh, free to say whatever word I want to. It was one of those nights. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, oh boy, uh, he ran into a a wall with me. But um, I, yeah, so anyways, I'll say I, I, I'll, I'll pitch it back to you. I, I, good mood, uh, and that helped helped help me this week for this episode. 
Yeah, I love having these conversations because I think uh, one can strive to to put all of their uh, emotions away and all of their uh, life experiences and, and uh, observe art objectively. But for me, that gets a little rigid. That gets a little cold. I think art is at its best when it's a conversation and it does uh, uh, speak to us and, and we do uh, we talk back with our, our own emotions. Yeah. Uh, and for me this week... Um, I was really busy working last night. Uh, my wife has been uh, at a dance rehearsal every Tuesday night. So normally I try to stop working and, and maybe watch a horror movie, you know, for mm-hmm. Halloween time. And I was just, I have so much that I want to do. Uh, I worked until she got home at 1045 and I was like, whoops, I forgot that thing called dinner. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I sat down and, uh, you know, had some uh, leftover pizza with her and we talked about kind of life in it. It went it, one of our one of those. Hey, we're just talking about our days. And it suddenly went deep. So over leftover pizza, uh, my mm-hmm. wife and I were discussing why do people choose certain art? Why do they make it a part of their lives? So I was in this sort of weird, uh-huh. uh, heady, busy, exhausted <laughs> space um i got my andor action figure out i got my shore trooper action figure out because i was really hoping to see another shore trooper and and i did and unfortunately they were real a-holes i felt a little bad about wanting to see the shore troopers again because what pieces of bleep um but then it it was very interesting to me to go into it in that space because i didn't i did not dislike the episode in, in any way shape or form but i felt like i went into the episode with feeling a little beleaguered, right? A a little challenged by life, a little tired in going, we got to preserve, we got to push on. And then (laughs) it was this brutal episode of people trying to push through and mostly failing and mostly accomplishing absolutely nothing. And I'm not criticizing the show that it's very clearly what this episode is about, uh, in in my opinion. (laughs) But it was was very interesting because I was almost like, okay, yep, pump yourself up, have some hope. And then the show was like, nah, no hope. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, I, I love this conversation because I've just finished re- reviewing and discussing two shows, Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. I love both. I love both worlds. I love both properties. I, I, I'm a huge guy. You know, Game of Thrones is part of my identity, right? People just know me as that kind of jerk that likes the dragon show. And I got to tell you, like, there's been times it's such a somber show that I was like, I just don't want to watch it tonight. I want to watch Harfoot's trying to help and do good and and <laughs> both work i think both are important i think this particular episode has some of the most important dialogue in all of star wars but i know where you're at and i uh, i i i think people get it too but so i think it's fun to have these conversations and good to be honest about it yeah absolutely absolutely and, and to be clear i think there is still hope embedded in this because it's star wars it's just the the way the storytelling is playing out with andor this is a, a particularly uh, frustrating episode for the characters where most of them are stymied um i i did uh i was aware of you know tales of the jedi dropping and it was great to see all of the uh, tweets from people trying to decide which to watch first or if they should watch andor and then stay up for tales of the jedi we were very lucky uh, to get screeners so we had already seen it uh, with our email uh, emblazoned across it so i wanted to watch uh, my favorite uh, episode of uh, tales of the jedi so i stayed up and i watched the sith lord uh which um are, we're gonna have a review out of tales of the jedi very soon i don't want to say any spoilers in case anybody uh hasn't watched it yet um yeah it was really great to see on the big screen that episode is also not a real pick-me-up so i don't know if that was the best decision <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right. I was. I almost did the same thing. It's so funny that you and I, because in that episode, it, it are we are review. It's weird. We recorded our, our Tales of Jedi review before before we saw this week's Andor. That's coming out tomorrow, like I said. And, and there's in that Sith Lord episode, there's one of my. I uh, just I love this moment. It's inspiring, even though it's in a dark moment. And uh, I was like, oh, I, mean, I love this in Star Wars. I did it inspired, and um, yeah, it's pretty dark too. So. It's pretty dark, but pretty great. It was not a mistake. I enjoyed watching that. Uh, Can't wait to get our review of Tales of the Jedi out and to hear other people's uh, thoughts and be able to speak about it freely. But for now, uh, let's dive into episode eight of Andor. Narkina 5 is the title. I don't think there's a lot to analyze there. That's the name of the prison planet that Cassian goes to. Uh, This new arc is written by Bill Williman and directed once again by Toby Haynes. Ken, what was your overall reaction? It doesn't sound like you struggled with it. It sounds like you were on the wavelength of this episode and and really loved it. Is that that correct? Yeah, I did. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Bill Bill Williman, uh, House of Cards, right? And I I Mm -hmm. did not watch that show. I'm familiar with him a little bit. Um, he's, um, you know, I, I really uh, like where he comes from. He's got some hot takes in the world. He's a bit of a saw himself uh, <laughs> at times. I don't want to say that uh, personal opinion of him, but uh, I was really intrigued by his work. Um, yeah, I really like this episode from the TH1138 vibes that everyone's tweeting about to some of the uh, little reveals, big reveals, surprise characters. Hey, look, the cook from King Kong is in this. Uh, oh, he's also <laughs> done some other things. Uh, your Snoke theories are now um, uh, 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 now applied to this show. Uh, I, I loved all of it, but I, I really think it was this um, buried in the tension, buried in all the things. There were some just... Some really important scenes, some scenes I needed to see uh, certain things going on in my life or certain changes in uh, life. There was there was one particular line uh, we'll get to it that I actually had said in one point in my life mm. and uh, in a conversation. And I just like uh, it was important to hear it and important to get a different perspective, important to see it. So there's a lot of a lot of, uh, you know, uh, key things to the story of rebellion. I could talk about this episode just on a story level. Uh, rebellion. I got some notes about the obstacles of building the rebellion. All that kind of stuff is wonderful. But I thought there was a lot under um, underneath this episode uh, that just spoke to me personally. And that's sometimes how how it works. You know, it gets you. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, this is probably a fine episode to have an awuga awuga real world politics uh, warning. Um, I think yeah. you know that goes for Andor in general, but in particular, it, this episode really, to me, powerfully drove home some things that are going on in the real world um, and made you feel the horror of them. And, and I felt like I can't, I can't, in discussing this, turn away from if you're horrified by that. Let's be aware that's happening in the real world and 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 ask ourselves to face it, to think about how how we can help, you know, get past certain injustices or certain perspectives uh, that coddle injustice, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. So so as always, we understand that some people come to Star Wars for a little bit of an of escape. Andrew is already a very political show, uh, but just fair warning, if that's not for you, we're probably going to get into some uh, real world stuff. And if you choose to tap out, that is, of course, your choice and we respect it. Yeah, Uh, I absolutely respect it. Uh, I also eight episodes in. uh, If you're still going and that's how you feel, God bless you. I mean, good. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, uh, I I, I do. And I do do mean that respectfully. I I, want to be clear. I have some pretty strong opinions about stuff. But I also, you know, I have some uh, well-rounded, I I hope well-rounded views on particular things that whether or not they come into this conversation or not doesn't matter. Uh, but we we really uh, want you all to enjoy Star Wars as you want. And uh, this might not be the episode for you then. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think my my overall reaction to it was this is a suffocating, terrifying hour of rigidity, right? Um, if yes. you, you talk about Star Wars as the uh, flowing in the organic versus the mechanical and the rigid, the, the dark side and the Empire often representing the rigidity, almost everything is about inescapable rigidity, right? Yeah. Um, it, it is great on the more flowing side to start to see the characters from the different subplots come together. Uh, Dedra Miro facing off with multiple uh, characters, right? And yeah. all these characters are, are coming together, spinning out of the fallout of Cassian's choices. So I do like that sense that it's all, it's all coming together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like the sense in this episode that the the Aldani heist was a, a turning point, right? And uh, Luthen's great line of oppression breeds rebellion. Everything that's happening is because Luthen uh, pushed the Empire to accelerate uh, the kind of control, rigidity, terror that they're going to spread. And Luthen successfully got them to accelerate it. And everybody uh, is feeling it. <laughs> and that that line is great oppression breeds rebellion it's it's a good bumper sticker summary of of Luthen's uh perspective uh but this episode was really powerful because it was like uh oppression breeds rebellion is the tagline and then the follow-up tagline should be just not yet in this episode <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I think that's what's really powerful about it is is for the most part in this episode things are happening to our main characters Many characters attempt to make a choice. Like last episode, characters started to kind of uh, deal with the fact that they were imprisoned in different ways and, and break free and, and make active choices. And this episode is full of people attempting to make active choices and almost everyone but Miro gets stymied. They don't actually accomplish the thing that they're trying to. Um, final big picture thing that I really liked in this is that uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's it's thematic. It's more um, plot. It, but this particular episode handed out lots of little morsels of backstory that have either been hinted at, uh, blatantly shared in interviews by Tony Gilroy or actors. <laughs> but that was one of the most intriguing things is we got more in, info on on Mothma's marriage. Uh, heard heard about Starin Perrin at fifteen being the Academy firebrand. Uh, more insight into Vel and Cinta's relationship, possibly Vel's past. This hanging question of what are you, Luthen, uh, from Saw. There was a lot more sort of digging into. Let's go a little deeper on some of these characters. Yeah, yeah, love that. And and, and I and I echo and, and really understand what you're saying too about the uh, choices and decisions. It's yeah, a lot of there was either people couldn't make choices, wanted to. Wanted people to make choices for them. In the case of Kyle Sol- Solar's excellent <laughs> portrayal of Cyril Martin, <laughs> I'm a good, I'm good man. Um, and and it just, uh, yeah, brick walls, brick walls all the way around. Uh, I, I really, uh, and, and that and at times can be somewhat uh, frustrating. This show is a test of patience, and, and that's an okay thing. I think we all need to sit back, um, uh, I'm not saying you or I, but just in general, like we all, not just the binge model of the world right now, but just like, hey, let the story play out. But again, on a week-to-week basis, you're kind of like, make a decision, Cassie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did not feel great after this episode, and, and that is why I think this episode was well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I, I felt stymied 
uh, is the characters did. So let's get into uh, the big ideas, the big themes, what ideas are at stake in this episode. Um, I think I've already probably uh, played my cards a little bit. That uh, big thing for me is that that sense of, of everybody being trapped and uh, having uh, struggling with forward movement. But where did you go for some of the the big ideas of this two, episode? Yeah, two two big ones that kind of, uh, you know, uh, flow on out into other ones. And I think based on what you just said, this this, this trap, this kind of feeling of, um, you know, uh, isolation, it, it, this, the theme of connection is clearly running on through. And it, it, for me, and it jumped out initially with the saw conversation, right? Because mm-hmm. we, know, we know some of the history there. We know what's going to happen. or we, we know what needs to happen with the rebellion. So from there, but I mean, if... To me, every character felt separated, isolated, alone, mm. feeling lost, being pulled apart. Uh, the scent of Val stuff was uh, particularly, uh, you know, interesting, moving, and frustrating too. Where it's asking a tough question because these are these are these are the good folks, right? And you're just kind of like, well, Cinta, don't. All right, maybe you have a point. There's that kind of stuff going on. Even Cyril is isolated and separated from everyone. Uh, Marva being sick. And, and then it all, you know, I mentioned like Luthen, uh, Phil Saul needs to connect with other cells. Um, uh, we, we got that going on. Clea wanting to shut off Ferrex. So it's like these people fighting connections, people needing connections. And all of this feeds into this, this funny you mentioned Miro. Uh, did your Miro kind of being the one uh, moving forward a little bit? She has sold this idea that the that the, there's a giant connection brewing, <laughs> which is the big threat to the Empire. Because without a doubt, the Empire wants to make you feel alone. They win by making you feel you're alone. And for that to be sold in an episode that's about connections that are fraying, connections that aren't happening, isolation because of the Empire. And she's over here going, the danger is they're connecting or connected. Uh, I thought that uh, just the 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 one hand and and the other, uh, not a, it was just a great a great play on that theme for me. Yeah, I really really loved that uh, picture. That um, almost Luthen and Miro almost seemed a, a little connected in this episode. Uh, they have before, mm-hmm. but very specifically in this episode, in the same way that that Andor in Cyril Karn seem to be on you know mirror journeys. Uh, that Miro's the only one in this episode, in, in my opinion, who's, who's really accomplishing things. But in doing that, she's, she's kind of going out on a limb, maybe spiraling a little bit. There's a little bit of Luthen manic energy in yep. her. Um, and I love what, what you're highlighting, that th- one of the only sparks of connection in this episode is the fact that Luthen has built this network in the great irony that it, it's it's not really working right now. Everything is broken. Uh, but the success of making the connections has put him in the Empire's crosshairs. They're yeah. looking for Axis, uh, uh, not Axis, the A-X-I-S, the, uh, the name, the code name they've given him since they don't know his real name, really yeah. put him in the crosshairs. And I couldn't agree with you more. That was, along with being this sense of being trapped, one of the other big ideas of this episode to me was broken connections. Um mm. We've talked a lot throughout the the whole show that it's been really interested in the intersection between personal relationships and commitment to ideology, right? And showing different characters on different ends of that spectrum or, or how uh, personal relationships and ideology can actually work hand in hand. This episode had really great tension with people being kind of far on the other ends of the, the spectrums, right? Mm-hmm. Um We've got this great bit of information about Vel and Cinta that Vel has really been coded as somebody who is committed to the rebellion, committed to the ideology, but things are about 
relationships, about people. She's not going to needlessly kill. That's what the Empire does. She's worried about her people, sad that they're lost, in love with Sinta, afraid of losing uh, Sinta. And Sinta's always been portrayed as, uh, you know, absolutely rock hard about the ideology. And I love this scene where that just, there's kind of a, a broken connection there. Where, you know, Sinta just says uh, very clearly, the struggle will always come first. We take what's left. You know, I told you that <laughs> in yeah. the beginning. That great line, I'm a mirror, Val. You love me because I show you what you need to see. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk more about Val's backstory as well, about that. that uh, when Val asks Sinta, what, uh, you know, who are you going to pretend to be w- mm-hmm. while you're waiting on Ferrix for Andor to maybe show up? And Sinta says to Val, maybe I'm a rich girl running away from her family. And Sinta, Sinta seems hurt, right? So mm-hmm. that that to me more, uh, I, I still think that there is a connection between Luthen and Vel, maybe father-daughter, maybe, you know, friend of the the family. But that suggestion that Vel came from mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a rich place um, that is, yeah. would maybe not be affected by the Empire. And I felt like Sinta was saying, in me, somebody who could not avoid the horrors of the Empire, you are reminded of, of why this fight needs to be fought. How did you take that? I, I took exactly what you're saying in terms of a tip to Vel's path, past, and, and path forward, I guess I should say. But yeah, uh, um, yeah, it, it was it was almost sent as, uh, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and it's intriguing. Like I, I, always, I always come to this thing of like, I, I, I like when uh, scenes or episodes create even more questions than answers. Sometimes, sometimes I just want answers. Yeah. But um where again, these are these are pe- two people I'm rooting for. Two people I'm rooting for in terms of the rebellion. Two people I'm rooting for in terms of their relationship. And this tough moment uh, where I think both are right. <laughs> the connection to humanity, uh, Vel's uh, connections, I think are very important. It's kind of the why we're fighting. Mm-hmm. We're kind of like the how. Um, and how do you connect those? And I think that's key to what this series is is asking in a lot, a lot of times. This is a, a story of rebellion and a key story in the rebellion. And um, it, you, you ha- it, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to what, what part do you leave behind? What part do you sacrifice if you're trying to do this, trying to make these changes and trying to win? Um, which win is, is is about change and survival more than anything at times. Anyways, yeah, I, I took I took it as, as you're taking it as well. Not just a fun clue. Um, to oh, is she Luthen's daughter? Yeah, I, I love those theories, but it's about that scene. It's about the why. It's the how and the why of this fight. Yeah, and I mean, and I'm not interested in the daughter thing because, like, it's a, a prediction game, or I want everybody to be related. It's it's the power yeah. of who who are people? What are their relationships? What what's their station? How easy is it for them to ignore the empire? Do they get involved anyway? Why do they get involved? All that stuff is the heart of this. And for me, I think it's what what the show is is building toward is you know it, honestly it's it's in the the clone wars arc uh, on Andron where we meet uh, saw in, in in Stila his sister mm-hmm. and Stila gets uh positioned as um the better leader because she is militant and willing to fight but also has this humanity and leadership is needing to inspire others and connect to others and i think there's this big idea that mm-hmm you can get so hardened by the cause of the ideology that you forget that the reason for the ideology is humanity. It's that people are suffering. That's why you're doing this. But people are, are so in so much pain, right? That they start to, to lose track of that. And, and we end up with this broken connection where it's, it's 
if the show wasn't so well done, it almost would have been funny that it was like a a music video a departure where we faded from Sad Vel on She's the bus or, or Sad yeah Sad Vel on the bus and Cinta uh, just obsessively staring in her new little apartment. You know, I I I love that you said that because it was it it so worked, but it absolutely could have been uh, an eighties video with a unicorn and a curtain blowing in the wind behind it. Yeah. Yeah, never gonna give you up. Never gonna. Oh, you let me go. Yeah, it's yeah. almost that. But yeah, gr- great moment of, of big broken connection. Uh, so many moments of of literal broken connection. Of you know, no one can find Cassian. His his family connection that motivates him with Marva is mm-hmm. broken. You know, super uh, uh, all in on the ideology. Not as big on the personal connections. Clea convincing Luthen to literally turn off the connection to Ferrix, right? And, and a real implication in that scene that Clay is on him because your weakness for caring uh, about the little people in this uh, and letting in your emotions um, is a weakness. And Luthen's great. I'm not slipping. I'm not slipping. <laughs> Uh, I have, uh, I really, um, I said last week, I think, I think I don't trust the character of Clea and I mean that in the best way possible. Like it, she's doing great work. Uh, this is an interesting character. Exactly what you said. Like, like, uh, you know, I, who's she shooting in the back <laughs> to, to save the rebellion? Like, I, I'm really intrigued by the character more and more every week and the relationship with Luthen is, is just uh, wonderfully played out. Yeah, no, it feels like she would put a blaster bolt through anybody for the cause. Uh, yeah, and, and I want to say, like, and I, I, we see it, a lot of people are like, Clay is that, is that Cassian's sister? And we've even mentioned it here. I, I, I'll say this, I, I quite frankly don't care uh, and almost hope it isn't. Um, uh, it could totally work and it could totally be a thing, um, but she is just, uh, I don't know, very unique on her own for me. But uh, it, we'll see how it plays out. But um, yeah, I, I see that a lot out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as you said, I think there's uh, how this broken connection theme really uh, gets highlighted and tied together in this episode is uh, going deep on old on cooperative saw, um, you know, yeah. great to finally see that conversation. There's moments where Luthen, you know, especially in the earlier episodes when he's when he's talking to Cassian about don't you want to give it all for something that's real, right? Um, mm-hmm. That you're like, what? Okay, let, let's get to what the difference is between Luthen and Saar. And over the last couple episodes, we've seen Luthen be almost as militant as Saw, but then have those moments of, of you see the humanity, you see the sadness in his eyes. And this was so great to see Luthen, you know, gruff, here's three options, pick one, let's go. <laughs> Luthen being the one who is just all about unity and stronger together and encountering this only I can do it attitude uh, from Saw. Lots of great lines, right? Uh, Luthans, aren't you tired of fighting with people who agree with you? Uh, mm-hmm. We'll die with nothing if we don't put aside our petty differences. Uh, in contrast to just Saw's complete rejection of working with others. That list of splinter groups we'll talk about uh, for, for canon stuff. But really interesting picture where uh, if this is about the attempt toward unity, but this episode is really focusing on broken connections you can see the people who are the most militant about the ideology are the ones breaking connection. Saw, Clea, uh, Cinta. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent point. Uh, put that on the point board for Scrimshaw. That's a wonderful <laughs> point. And, and one of my favorite points you made was uh, previous episodes, um, I can't remember if it was last week, week before, 
of of I really believe Luthen says a lot of the stuff to convince himself, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's being played and played out. And uh, that's why I love this week uh, that this I'm a coward. Um, and I have this fear of the empire. We'll, we'll get so big. We can't do anything about it. I, I loved everything about that scene. I would not surprising. I just love, I just love Saw Gerrera, which is a weird thing to say. He's a complicated character with no direct answers at times. And other times, very direct answers about what he thinks. Uh, and he, I, I think every time he shows up in a show, you have great value in what this character is uh, asking you to think about this rebellion. Anyways, I, 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 I really, I really think that that's rolling out more in Luthen of, um, that balance how and why mm-hmm. yeah and, and i think that we will still get at some point n- not in a really uh simple pat way uh because the show's been really good at at complexity and, and nuance obviously but get a little bit more of uh, luthan's defining trauma you know the thing that is mm-hmm. too much for him right that he has to act and, yeah. and i'm really interested still to see what that is on this theme of broken connection, the last big thing that I have to say, I think one of the few things that could maybe uh, be desperately grasped at is a glimmer of hope in this particular episode is a moment of connection, uh, despite everything. To me, it's when uh, uh, saw, uh, it's not saw, um, when uh, Cassian is watching those two prisoners communicating with sign language. Mm-hmm. That's a moment in this in this whole episode of being locked in trapped nowhere to go all connection you have being broken all hands reaching out for connection being slapped away are those two prisoners just talking or is there are they making a plan and is is it just enough of a victory if they're just saying how was your day through sign language in this horrible situation uh i love that you highlighted that there's some stuff going on in this episode where uh, you got even Melshi. We'll talk about him. Very excited for that. Mm-hmm. Him kind of saying, "There's you. You can't get out of here anymore. Like, like either by your 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 sentence going down, or or thinking of escape. You can't get out of here. And the little detail of the guard being late, and that really weird. You know, might you might look at it like, why are we having this conversation? But it was a real awkward, tense window of hope for me of mm-hmm. of cracking the system. Of of you're if you're looking to get out, I I took it as that, but also I I agree with you, and and, and it, it's uh, watching them communicate. You can go a lot of different directions. Um, it, it, hope served up in the form of uh, asparagus, not cake, but it was hope. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I kind of think there is the, this uh, sub theme within the trapped in the imprisoned ideas of uh, a sub theme of don't look. Uh, the the shore troopers, you know, cruelly, literally shout it right. <laughs> And in, in the whole uh, position yeah. in the prison is eyes forward. Uh, but what you're saying, when Cassian watching that sort of awkward, interesting scene about why is this guard late? What are the systems of this prison? What are the human weaknesses within this militant system? Cassian's great, uh, great Cassian's great strength is paying attention when he chooses to do it, which a lot of times he doesn't, but he's so <laughs> observant, right? And you see him first coming in and maybe looking for a way out and, and looking and seeing how everything works in the prison. I, I think that was great. And then, you know, there's also the, all the stuff with Cyril being reprimanded for looking for things that he shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay where you're supposed to be and don't even look somewhere you're not supposed to. Yeah. Nah, that was a great scene too. Yeah. Uh, let's get into this I- idea of being trapped of, of isolation of uh, the different uh, interesting ways uh, that that plays out. Uh, I- I've got a lot of the thoughts about, um, how much uh, last week, uh, last episode, we saw characters make the choice to push forward. You know, Mothma made this connection. 
uh, with Tay to start moving money around. Marva declared, I'm a rebel, and I don't care if it doesn't work. I'm going to do it. Uh, Miro took the great risk of stepping up. And, and everyone but Miro got stopped in their tracks and didn't actually, this episode, get to accomplish the things they declared they were going to uh, mm. last week. Love it. Yeah. Dive in. Uh, I've... Um uh, yeah, uh, yeah, no, go go for it. I don't know why I'm not giving you permission. Go for it. <laughs> go for it. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, Kino. You get get to work. <laughs> Kino is great. Yeah, so I mean, let's just let let's just start there with this idea of being trapped and isolated. Hey, that's not subtle. It's a large part of it uh, takes place in a prison. Um, but I, I'm really intrigued by the way that this uh, prison was uh, presented. Right. There are the seeds of escape with Cassian looking around, uh, but mostly he spends this entire episode in, in shell shocked horror mm-hmm. at a standstill. And I would argue like the only choice Cassian makes is a uh, beaten down acceptance. By the end of the episode, he's about the most animated we've seen him in a while uh, because he has accepted the game and he is in the system playing. So his food has taste and he doesn't get shocked. Um, yeah. How do you feel about all that? I, I I thought about you as soon as the shoes came off. I thought about you because we've talked about great um, yeah. personal life stories about how um, I, I won't I won't repeat your life story, but I know that that is something that's visceral for you. The taking away of of the comfort and the safety of shoes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the brief that I I've always had shoes. I've been fortunate to have shoes. But yeah, my 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 now late grandfather passed away not too long ago. Lived about ninety five. Was yeah, uh, a Circassian captured by the Russians, uh, captured by the Nazis. But the Russians also hated him too. Hey, uh, politics don't change much. Uh, and uh, the first thing to go was the shoes. Not just as they ripped them off because they didn't have quality shoes, and that was a sign of comfort. That was a sign of privilege. Uh, and often a lot of soldiers walk around barefoot um, during this time. So, yeah, that's just to recap the story. Um, and I, yeah, I thought about that, too. I, I have a lot. Of, I'm so glad you, you, you have this. You're going to have to pull the mic away from me here in a second. I, I no, really this use of this of, of this prison, Narkina 5, which is the title of the episode. Uh, you, you, you and I are right in line on what it represented to me. Uh, and a lot of things, but it's the empire's breakdown of humanity. And you could just look at it in terms of Star Wars. But is it it is the selling of safety and security. And it's all up to you. We don't even have weapons. Uh, you, you just get, you know, you decide what you want to do. And it's a competition for food taste. You, you could take it as a dig at, a, at, at any kind of uh, uh, system that you, you, you don't like out there in the world. Um, but it's designed to pit everyone against each other to survive. Uh, and you better yourself by defeating those beneath you. And you get so used to the impression you learn to survive into it. And, and, and I think in this episode, it's happening on Ferrix. Not that Bix and, and, and Pack and, and, and Brazos are happy with what's going on. Uh, Marv is not. And we, I, love the, I love the little detail of what she was trying to accomplish while she gets hurt. But, you know, they're functioning, right? And they still got the ding, ding, ding. They still got their thing. But they're, they're learning to survive as best they can with the Empire there. And we'll see what they do with that. But also, you know, the... You and I have talked before about Andor, even going into Andor. I remember speaking, uh, you and I were speaking on uh, Alex and Molly's panel celebration. And we both kind of talked about this upstairs, downstairs thing, which is a great mm-hmm. thing for improv, uh, choosing what character you like. But this is always, hey, we got Mothma up top, upstairs, we got Andor downstairs. And, and we're going to analyze that. This episode, it really, this is what I think why I'm so excited about this episode. Uh, to me, there was no difference between the prison and the party. Mm. And how everyone around there has just started to accept it. I, I will go into a little bit the conversation with Mothma and all the people around them about Palpatine. Uh, 
uh, we are a lot of us have had that conversation at, with our families at the holidays and mm-hmm. write it down. Start start remembering Mothma's questions. You might need to ask them again this uh, November, December when you go visit your families. For those who know what I'm talking about, you get it. Um, and all and 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 this was the prison was this. This is how it happens. This is how this happens. And it, it, you're so right. I, I was blown away at just the pep and Andor's step with his feeding tube and his food. And, it, and, and he wasn't happy, you know, I get it. But you know what I mean? Like he, he almost looked, dare I say, healthy for the first time in the series. And it was very important. And it very, the use of the prison to explain all this was, was uh, uh, that was one of my favorite things of this episode. Yeah, you, you you are saying a bunch of great things. There is so much power in the prison scene. There is so much power in the Mothma scene with the other senators mm-hmm. about uh, Palpatine's overreach. Or is it overreach? Is it just good order? Uh, the way that they are connected. Uh, I think that both of them are sort of about, you know, Palpatine and authoritarian, successful authoritarian governments in general, creating a system in which you willingly imprison yourself, right? Yep. Uh, the the term Orwellian <laughs> uh, gets abused, but the actual narrative of uh, the book and, and all the adaptations of 1984 is getting people to imprison themselves, and it, it, that's how you crush rebellion. Of this is my this is my life. What it's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything about that prison is so designed to make it your choice, right? It yeah. is, you know. We we didn't hit you. The floor is electrified and you're either standing on it or not. It's you. You're the one who, who's choosing uh, mm-hmm. where you stand. You can make things better for yourself by working harder. Uh, even making uh, Andy Serkis, who is, of course, great uh, because he's Andy Serkis, uh, into the the four person you know making him complicit making him a part of the system of of order right the whole thing is like the darkest version of uh of the the principal from the simpsons saying make a game of it which mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. i don't mean to be making a joke but it, that's that you know yeah. that's what i always think of is like yeah sometimes as humans when you have like a not fun thing to do like yeah you, you got a bunch of letters essentially whatever you make a game of it how many can i do in an hour um that's a it's taking advantage of the way our brains are wired to to do something just horrendous to us right um taking away any hope melshi says anyone who thinks they're getting out now is dreaming those days are over Mm -hmm. um and for me both of these scenes are are the the real world stuff Uh, i think i was really affected by this um portrayal of a space a prison labor system. We saw it happen with Cassian. He wasn't, he truly wasn't doing anything, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No reason to be arrested. And then it's underlined where the prisoners in there are saying, yeah, this has been happening more and more. So you have yeah. a system that can arrest people for no reason and turn them into forced labor. Um, and if you're horrified by that, that kind of stuff is happening in the real world world um i'd I'd really suggest if if anybody wants to know more there's a great documentary called 13th it's a it's on netflix and it's actually also free uh on youtube because this prison is a labor force is is a real problem in the real world and i think what's powerful about storytelling like this is we are identifying with cassian because he is the main character and we are connected to him so we feel it when we watch this and 
you know, if we haven't personally experienced it or know somebody who's experienced it, it can be too conceptual. And stories like this allow us to feel it and and want to do something about it. Yeah, yeah, no, a hundred percent, and and that's why you, you, from a Star Wars standpoint, you're like, oh, this is how the impression uh, oppression of the Empire worked. But this is, uh, and I would, I again, not su- wasn't super familiar with Bo Willeman as a writer. Uh, I was as a Twitter presence, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I can tell he wrote this one, and I can tell what he's uh, what he's getting at, and uh, it was really powerful because of that. Yeah. Yeah. One detail of the prison element that I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. I thought it was really fascinating that because of Cassian's choice toward the end of last episode to ignore the ideology, ignore the power of what he did, ignore the fact that it <laughs> it radicalized his mom finally, um, that he buried his head on space south padre island planet so successfully that he didn't even have the mercy of being able to give the prisoners information yeah. about the uh, the new uh palpatine initiatives that his actions help you know cause yeah i i i absolutely made a note about this of cassian it's he's the one learning about the P.O.R.D. from them. Right. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I, I was going to write down their names, but the, the, the guy who had, was using the sign language at one point is just like, he, he doesn't know. I told him he doesn't know. Uh, I love that exchange. Uh, the Aldani event has clearly several repercussions. And you talked about it up top, too, about it's this big thing that that kind of it's now far reaching. And um, and that's, by the way, it's also a form of connection. Right. Uh, that happens. And all parts of the galaxy have heard of it. I love the misinformation here. Oh, they, they slaughtered the entire game. Well, no, 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 they burned it down. No, no. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's 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 connection. And last week gives a little bit more inspiring. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, not intentional from from Cassian's part. Like oh, I was just a heist. But Marv is like, no, I'm standing strong. I'm a rebel this week. Uh, it seemed a little less inspiring for Cassian because he was learning uh, and it was in his face. You're talking even in this entire sequence. We have probably more connection to the message because we're seeing it through Cassian's eyes. who We know is 100% innocent, wrong place, wrong time, being treated bad by this system. We know that, so we're connected. You're right. It's not conceptual. Uh, and I, so I think uh, I, I think Cassian is experiencing that as well. It's no longer a concept to him. I'm in prison for this. I'm in prison because some of the actions that I was a part of uh, have now caused um, people like me. I'm not the only one here because it might be easy to say, yeah, I don't know, maybe Mel, maybe Mel, she's a murderer. I don't know. It might be easy to just toss him in there. We don't know yet, mm-hmm. but it, we are seeing it through Cassian's eyes. And now Cassian is seeing all of this through his eyes. I thought it was a key moment uh, to move him forward if he chooses. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I think that's to me the the power of it because uh, we're saying Cassian caused these these initiative lockdowns. Maybe the better way to say is you know Luthen's plan to mm-hmm. get Palpatine to double down was successful, and Cassian successfully pulled pulled off the the heist. Um, mm-hmm. Not saying this is Cassian's fault that this prison is happening. Right. Uh, yeah. I think to me, what the power is is Cassian wants to believe that he can ignore the big battle and he can't right he's trapped in it it can't just be uh walk away and win it can't just be survive it can't just be you know go find someplace warm and easy uh he found the uh exact opposite of warm and easy and you know he he, he can't uh avoid the empire basically yeah 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 a, a, a big tragic learning lesson for him here 
Yeah, and, and I, I really want to take a moment to to talk more about the the Mothma scene. All, everything's great uh, with Mothma, and we can talk more about the insights into her her marriage and her her uh, failure to get things moving with Tay just yet. Um, That's right. But that little conversation with the other senators was so great. We learn that she's schmoozing uh, to try to get vote, votes to slow down his overreach, right? She's not going to stop it, but maybe she can gum up the works a little bit and, and be that irritation that everybody thinks she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then within that, you know, characters shout order all the time. Um, mm-hmm. No huge spoilers here. Uh, but there's some shouting of we're doing this for order in uh, Tales of the Galaxy or Tales of the Jedi. Um, People say we're doing this for order or for law and order in in Star Wars and in the real world all the time. And Mothma asks the perfect question about Palpatine. What does he mean? What is public order? And then we see from these various senators' perspectives the way that they wrestle with it or or justify it. The, the conversation gets into what level of protection is needed. And I love that there's a one senator, I believe, Vian, who says, we know what too little looks like. Right. And I feel like that is talking about the Aldani raid, certainly, but the entire empire is formed on fear of those scary others, the separatists. The Clone Wars is still doing Palpatine's work for him about we we have to, we have to give up any liberty we we have to be unnecessarily cruel because safety from this alleged scary other that may or may not actually be out there that may or may not actually be a threat to us is the most important thing in the entire galaxy yeah and and it's this dangerous fine line that i think is well played to have this discussed on the upstairs part of this story uh, mm-hmm. And this is the thing that kind of really got me a lot. Of, I, I've been open about some of my past and uh, my jobs and as director of public safety. And, you know, that uh, public safety is a thing. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a thing you need. And it's the thing to have discussions about. And it's, and, and it's the way uh, you get the way to do it is key. And, and I think so much uh, it, it, it's um, it, it's easy to just hide behind that. It's easy to not fully understand it. And that's why I think this moth, I put it in all caps, uh, the two questions she asks, what does he mean? That's a question you all should write down and take to the holidays uh, with your families, <laughs> the argument getting with, with your uncles. Um, what do what do you mean? What, what does he mean? Because it's a fair question. It's a fair mm-hmm. question to ask. What does what is the theme behind it? <laughs> we dig into themes here at Force Center. What's the theme behind the statement? And then what is public order? Uh, again, it's something that I personally can believe. Say, yeah, yeah, public safety and public order is something I'm for. But what do you mean by that? And the conversation that's going on here, uh, the, the emperor's primary charge is to protect us, is it not? And then I have said this myself in my life. I've said this almost exact quote, Joseph. If you've done nothing wrong, what is there to fear? Mm-hmm. The follow-up question or the follow-up statement of I fear your definition of wrong is, I think, um, I'll put, I should put it on a T-shirt. Uh, it's a very tremendously valuable question in these deeper, often trying to be nuanced conversation. That is, and who has the control of that definition is often yes. the problem. And yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 please, please. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm up here, I'm going to start talking about Rosebud. I'm up on a dais just uh, <laughs> uh, pontificating. No, and, and, and I literally, I mean, you and I always try to, you know, leave room and, and, and not make direct real world references as much as possible. Uh, but maybe this isn't the time. But but Palpatine's frustrating. Yes, we agree. Too easily provoked. Yes. Overactive. But what 
He says what he means. You could take out that word Palpatine <laughs> and I could give you about six names you could put in there and you'd be like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. All he does is mean tweets. Yeah. Um, we're discussing legislation, not speeches. And that's yep. when Mothma slips in with the, what, what, what does he mean? What is the public order? It, it, it's such a, a fascinating, but important. And at times it's a scary conversation to see played out here. Cause we're talking about space wizard man, Palpatine, but yep. it's very real. Uh, I thought it was, I, 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 I verbally, maybe I'm a podcaster. I'm, I, 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 I my economy is hyperbole. Um, my currency is, is, is hyperbole. It's one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars. It's, it was yeah. it, very important. Sorry, I'll get off. No, the no, 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 please. Uh, we, we can be on the dais together. Uh, we, we <laughs> yeah. can both rant together because I, I, I'm really on the same uh, page with you. I, I think there are conversations uh, that that veer toward this in Clone Wars uh, in the more political episodes. I feel like this is the story of Star Wars. Uh, this, these are the real world uh, dynamics that it's reflecting, but it's really pulled out and really made crystal clear in in extremely powerful ways uh, in, in this scene. I think it's I think it's really really great because I think it's exactly what you're saying is okay, Palpatine. Uh, talks tough. Okay, well, great. Let's stop talking about his speeches because that's not what we're actually talking about. We're talking about his policies. How do his policies actually affect real people? This isn't a personality thing. (laughs) Personality is how we unfortunately end up electing people because we're humans and we respond to personality and cues, right? Uh, But what actually affects our lives is not, is this person likable or not? Are they charming? What affects our lives are the policies. So that's yeah. powerful that that Mothma uh, redirects to that, right? Um, Absolutely. And then it's it's really telling that this is kind of a, a this is a theoretical debate for them up to a point because mm-hmm. they're in this system that they're in and they're having this incredibly uh, deep and important conversation uh, about, as you say. Um, yeah, there, we everybody wants public order. I want public order. Yes, if if people, you know, I you know what I get mad about, Ken. Here's my weird one. Uh, <laughs> th- we have a law in Los Angeles that you don't walk your dogs without leashes, and there's a reason for it, especially in this area because it's full of traffic. Uh, coyotes will grab your chihuahuas and run away with them. Um, and every time I see somebody without a dog on a leash, I get so mad because it's for a reason. Yes. <laughs> And I understand it. And I want to like be like a little serial car and have a whistle to blow and say, <laughs> dog unleashed, dog unleashed and have somebody pop out and give them a ticket because I believe in that's yeah. a, that's a rule that's there for a reason. And it, you know, anyway, yeah. you, you get yeah. my point, right? By the way, I'm with, yeah, the, 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 if we could have a side note because they're all the, they're always the, the those people the, uh, sound like a comic. <laughs> now those people are always ones when you start to react to it with your dog and they go, don't worry, my dog's uh, uh, friendly. And I have to say, mine's not. <laughs> exactly. Leap off my dog and put a leash on your dog. There's rules. And now I'm cereal, cereal corn. I'm going to have some cereal. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna have some crunchies, but yeah. But, so but, I, 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 but, I, but sorry, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a theme, right? It's their, their ego, their, they, they're not affected. And, and right. so they can, they can, they, and, and I think that that's everyone in this conversation, but Mothman, maybe, maybe the guy to her right is, is kind of, you know, he's, he's listening to her for the votes uh, to give her the vote, but everyone else has the, uh, exactly. I've done nothing wrong. What is there to fear? My dog is friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think, 
you know, I, I, part part of my uh, leashed doggies uh, tantrum, not tantrum, uh, rant is that to, to say that I agree with you. I, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, think yeah, yeah. I don't want money. rules or order or law is wrong. What is wrong in the empire, in what is, in my opinion, uh, happens uh, at least sometimes because we now have more documented, uh, literally recorded on phones cases of it, is when the people that you've trusted with power uh, arrest people who haven't done anything wrong or have done a very small thing wrong and get uh, an incredible amount, an unjust amount of punishment for either doing nothing or doing something very small. And yeah. that that is the reason that you need to question exactly as Mothma is uh, wrong according to who? Who is deciding what is wrong? Who is gathering the evidence that something wrong has been done at all? That's what happened to Cassian, right? He didn't do anything. He, as he yeah. keeps saying, he's just a tourist. So I think that is really important for real world stuff. And then the way this conversation ends uh, with the senator pivoting to a joke, right? Of uh, oh, saying, God, hey, yeah, they're so safe now. You know, do you, Mothma asked that important question, like, how threatened do you feel, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which I'm sorry, I, mean, I am just going to be really real. There, there's been this scare tactics in in cycles of elections recently, uh, mm -hmm. you know, about a caravan of foreigners coming to take our jobs. And like, how many people are actually afraid of that? You know, it's it's mm -hmm. just getting fear for for fear's sake. And Moth was asking this important question, like, do you actually feel afraid? And the, the senator turns it in the joke of like under threat of too much chandrillon hospitality. And mm -hmm. Moth has to laugh. Um, and yeah. that's the upstairs downstairs that you're talking about. If they are kind of in this this prison, they can't really buck against mm -hmm. um, uh, against Palpatine. They're putting a target on their back if they if they give Mothma their vote, uh, you know, to, to hold Palpatine back a little bit. But they are they're in a prison. So they're in a prison like Cassian, uh, but their food always tastes good and they never get shocked. So it's the yeah. stakes aren't as high. Yeah, but you're, you're playing against the others, and you're you're playing for your survival, and and all of us be damned. That's definitely the vibe going on there. It's very real world, man. I just had this argument with my mom. I'm doing comedy in Seattle, and she says, "Well, I hear Seattle's out of control." I said, "Who are you? Like, what? Why? And why are you you afraid of that? <laughs> like, it this happens. This party conversation happens. And and Star Wars. What I, what I've loved about Andor. Sorry, I'm back in the days." What I've loved about Andor, and I've struggled with some of the pacing, I've struggled with some of the stuff, I just struggle with the somber mood. But I think Andor is making it so that you out there, some of you might be Cassian in this episode, and you you you, you can maybe not agree with it, but you can't deny it, and you mm -hmm. can't deny what this is communicating. And you can't deny Star Wars' point of view. Yeah, no, I, I really agree. Um, and I think that this conversation was such a linchpin, but there's some other great moments uh, in in this kind of um, mm -hmm. how Palpatine is, is is trapping people in this system that values uh, order and safety above all else. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Cyril Karn's obsessive. Can one ever be too aggressive in preserving order? It's <laughs> just yeah. terrifying earlier in the episode. Oh, and yeah. a, a line that really hit me in the gut is uh, is when. Tay is talking about like the new legislation is really making everything difficult in Perrin with his uh, squigs drink, his second squigs drink in his hand, I think, says the rebels might have thought that over before blowing up Aldani. Yes. Um, yes. Which, OK, great. Yes, there, there's a conflict. The, the yes, the rebels uh, broke the law. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, they they stole stuff. The people died. They they some of the rebels wrestled over 
the fact that people had to die. Some are more militant and said that's the cost of of freedom, right? Mm-hmm. There's plenty to discuss in that. But Perrin's casual, uh, the government can do nothing wrong. It's always those others, right? Yeah. And the huge exaggeration of blowing up Aldani, right? Like, yeah. like they blew up the entire planet, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's one yeah. So, I don't know if it's directly connects, but it's, it's why I love Saw in it. Where I think there's some great there's some actual conversations you want to have about. Well, Saw um, uh, rocket launching a party and killing children might not be what we need. Uh, might cause problems uh, for the Empire. Uh, knocking over Aldani might not be the same thing. Yeah, and, and it's an important conversation, but to have Perrin just write it all off. Yep, it's all the same. Yeah, yeah. And, and that line about Mon, uh, about Perrin, how things change. And, and the conversation about both of them not looking out the window, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let, we, we can, uh, right. yeah. Uh, I got one more thought on this, on this line of please, just, just please. that exaggeration of blowing up Aldani. Uh, just, mm. it, it, it really struck a chord for me. Mm. Um, mm. The, uh, the protests in my hometown of Minneapolis about the death of George Floyd, mm-hmm. um, multiple, uh, the damage that happened in the city, uh, does not make geographic sense to the most, uh, to the, where the protests were. Yeah. Um, I know from people in Minneapolis, uh, I know, uh, from the people who have been actually arrested and it's in newspapers that they weren't from Minneapolis. They weren't protesting, yeah. uh, George Floyd, they were taking advantage of it. And in order for anarchy or to to blame the protesters, uh, and I think that's the reason that that just kind of casual should have thought of it before they blew up Aldani just felt to me like when I encounter somebody and they say to me, mm-hmm. you know, the rioters burned down Minneapolis like, mm-hmm. no, they didn't. I've been there at a convention. <laughs> uh, I, I've played in public parks. The Minneapolis is not burned down. And a lot of the damage that was there, it, it is proven was done by people trying to create chaos and pain. But that idea is just out there. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, yeah. Uh, sorry again uh, for, oh, for people who don't want us to get too real. Uh, sometimes, but that, that really hit me in the gut because it's something that's causing me real pain when, when I hear people say that about my hometown. It's not true. Yeah. Seattle's out of control. Have you heard? Yeah. <laughs> my mom's never been to Seattle. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. So anyone listen, it, no, this episode sparks some very real thoughts in my mind and uh, I don't always want to contain them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so let's go back to the fun of Motha being trapped in a horrible marriage. <laughs> Uh, she was 15 what's going yeah, on Andrilla? yep yeah so it, i thought that was in this whole big theme of feeling trapped and isolated right mothma kind of she's she's confined in this mask but she kind of shows herself to tay and takes this big risk and is going forward and she's going to move that money around and, and show luthan that that she can make a difference right mm-hmm. um and then uh we learned that it's kind of stymied tay's trying but he can't move the money around yet uh she's she's there trying to whip up votes that's not happening and then we learn uh that that great line from her one forgets to savor the familiar about looking out their window uh that she's been trapped in a in a not great marriage since she was 15 maybe it was great early on who knows yeah. but senator at 16 married at 15 how did that hit you how did that a- a- affect the larger story for you <laughs> uh i don't want to yeah um 
How did it affect the larger? It affect the larger story. Just, I, I'm, I'm still rooting for Mothma, but things aren't perfect at home. She's got this daughter who I, by the way, I don't trust either. I don't know what she's up to. I think, I think Lita's gonna make a lot of trouble for, for mom. Yes, I do not trust her at all. God bless you. A uh, tough life as a, as a teenage girl in Corson. I get it. I don't, but I get you. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel so sad for Mothma. I don't know if this is to your exact question to the themes of this episode in Star Wars. I just, I love this character. I love Genevieve O'Reilly's uh, portrayal of her in this, in this moment. And I'm just wanting to find out. I want her and Tay to go date. I want her parents to get divorced. I want people <laughs> at home to respect what she's doing. I want people to listen. And that's part of the story. That's part of the frustration. You said up top, even this episode kind of is almost, it's intentionally challenged. You should feel challenged and a little down. Uh, that's okay for stories to make you do. And I, all this, all this about it, the more you find out about it, then maybe at one point it was, he was a, he was a, you know, firebrand of the Academy. Maybe he had strong beliefs. And now he's this, don't even try. And this is what happens. Try, give me another drink. And, um, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's, I, I, it just, I'm so sad for the character, but rooting for him. Yeah. Yeah. And there is this great little drama playing out. I, I thought that it was great that Lita's scene was like, yeah, no, we've, uh, I've met Tay. He, he's around a lot. Uh, it's really feeling like the personal is going to intersect with these, you know, big ideological goals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, you know, I just, I, I, that was something that, that I had heard. I, I believe Tony Gilroy talked about in an interview. It was great to finally hear it from the characters in the show about following this Chandrillan tradition, getting married young, it not seeming like it's happy now. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. Um, so a couple other, you know, points in this idea of being trapped and isolated. Um, I I love that Marva kind of declared her intention, uh, to be a rebel and that she's trying and she's looking for a tunnel under the hotel and and it's a literal block pass. She literally can't find the the tunnel (laughs) to move forward and is, you know, injured and cold and won't take the help that the system has to offer. That heartbreaking little conversation with Brasso about, yeah, she used to be, you know, one of the leaders of the, the Daughters of Ferrix. They've got a room for her, but she won't go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, more more blocked forward movement. Maybe Cassian can get through to her, at least, you know, know that she's ill. We can't reach Cassian. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, and then even Cyril Karn, I would say, you know, uh, is whether or not we're we're rooting for him. He's a fascinating character, right? Uh, he makes that strong pitch to Miro, which in most shows would be like the, all right, kid, I'll give you a chance. <laughs> it's like, talk to me again and I'll have you tortured. The total yeah. blocked, total lack of forward movement. Yeah. Yeah. Give me your bad detective McCarcel. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, Kyle Solar uh, is just doing some amazing work. I keep saying it. Uh, his neck muscles must be sore after a day of shooting. He's got the forward jaw. He's talking like, oh, my God. I love every little detail he's done. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that he has a, a, a personal uh, face masseur uh, who can massage his, his cheeks. <laughs> well, he's got he's this big shooting. bushy beard now. He grew up this big bushy red beard now. He's probably just like, <laughs> I, just, yeah, I need to, I need to feel like I go to Bernie Man, not Kyle Sarn or Cyril Card. I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta be, do something different now. Yeah, yeah. And then, like I said before, I think in this big theme of, of trapped isolation, lack of literal plot forward movement uh, of with what our characters try to do and can't accomplish Miro's uh, feels like the one who's charging for forward. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. I've got to even, even list a uh, uh, Luthen can't make a sale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or a so. team up with saw. Mm-hmm. Even that gets blocked. But Miro 
is like the ferocious champ, right? Uh, she pushes forward. Uh, she convinces uh, uh, the ISB and old Yalar in there to literally drill down <laughs> on Ferex. Uh, she captures uh, a Bix. Uh, Bix is that's another image of of uh, trapped, horrified. Uh, but Miro is moving forward. How did you feel about that? How did how did Miro in this episode? We've talked a lot, and many other fans have found it that we've been sort of positioned mm-hmm. to root for Miro because she's a perspective character. She is technically correct. She's uh, less rigid than the other Imperials, so she can actually understand. Uh, see outside the imperial lines and see what what Luthen and the rebels are trying to do. But then in this episode, she she was uh, just furious, yeah. boiling cauldron almost the entire episode. And we end with her about the horribly uh, uh, torture another character we're coded to like. So with Bix, so where did you end up? I, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, definitely against her, right? Definitely against her. Definitely against Karn. It's it's been one of the best things about this show. This weird writing. We're not the only ones who are out there on podcasts going. Why do we like her? I don't. I don't necessarily have the answer yet, Joseph. But but at the end of the episode, yeah, I'm definitely not on her side. It's now moving into like I am a little terrified of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes sense. Even here, getting um, you know, part of gas goes from like thesis, please, to now he's in the corner, kind of looking at you, Lauren, going the little we're aware of is already. Troubling, which is a now Anton Lesser uh, uh, trademark uh, pause for effect. I, I just love him so much. Um, so now it's transforming to a little, little terrifying. She's the switch. It's real. And, and it's no longer a fun uh, office drama for me uh, with her. Uh, but it's still so captivating. Yeah, it's incredibly captivating. And I think in some ways even more captivating because I feel like I, we still don't know. Like she's she's clearly okay with the dogma, with the ideology, with the tactics of the Empire. She's not holding back that great like, no, no, don't don't move Salman Pack. And then play acting for Bix yeah. like it was an accident that she saw her friend horribly uh, mm-hmm. abused, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly she's not somebody who's like, well, I'm in the Empire, but I'm not thrilled about it. Like, She's she's all in, but I still don't feel like is it because she is a true believer of order or is it because she wants to succeed in Excel? Is it personal or ideological that she is uh, driven by? I, I, I will call him A, call him B. I thought that's why I thought she was going to connect a little bit more with Karn, right? Like they're speaking mm-hmm. the same language. It's it is personal. I think she wants the victory. She's got one over Blevin and she wants one now uh, on a bigger scale. Um, but it, it maybe is born out of a belief in this. Um, and, and, but that's what makes it even uh, more scary when it becomes personal. That's why Karn is, I, I, you know, he every week, no redemption story coming for that cereal eating guy. Like uh, it ain't <laughs> happening. Uh, I, I don't, he's not going to go the way of callous for me and, and be a, a rebel. So uh, yeah, again, maybe all things could happen, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I think it's moved past just I like what I like my job and I like these set of rules and and and, and these beliefs to um, power power and and that's a big connective thread to the other things in Star Wars about the dark side and the Empire. Mm-hmm. And she's not like the senators or some of the senators mm-hmm. or Perrin, where it's far away and conceptual, and anything that the Empire does, any brutality that the Empire does, is is justified. Uh, you know, against the scary other. Uh, she is seeing it up close. She is she is acting it out. She is doing it. 
you know, and, and we learned early on that, that she has a background as an enforcer. So like she is somebody who is choosing to, to go with this, knowing the full horror of it. Yeah. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. She that, knows what she's yeah, doing. Yeah. That act trick was impressive. Most impressive, dirty, mean, vicious. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> Disturbing, most disturbing. A lot of uh, interesting things, uh, sometimes challenging things to discuss in this episode. Any other big thematic stuff before we take a quick break? I feel you and I could go another half hour on on Saw, and we touched a lot uh, about a lot. I'll just say I was really excited. We can talk to some of the can. I was really excited, not just to see him. We knew he was coming, but the fact that I think I get more than one scene. I I really thought I was going to get one scene with him this, this season. Uh, it looks like I'm going to get more unless they pull a rogue one and cut it from, <laughs> from the trailers. But so many great quotes. The oppression breeds rebellion. You said, whatever our final vision of success looks like, there's no chance of, of any of us, uh, that any of us can make a, it real on our own. Uh, we'll die of nothing, uh, with nothing. If we put aside our petty differences, there's some real topic sentences going on here. If you, if Karn's got one of the other theme topics of can one ever be too aggressive in preserving order, that's a lot of what's at play. You got the other side of it here. And Saab, I always saw brings questions. He brings tough questions uh, and, and things where you're like, I think you're right, but maybe there's a little bit of wrong, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's like a, some kind of Dr. John blues rock song. Um, but it, I, when he says, I'm the only one with clarity of purpose, uh, that was a powerful line for me, powerful moment, because it means a lot of great things and only means a lot of dangerous things. And it's going to be key to the story of rebellion going forward, how, how you deal with his his belief. I'm really glad that you you brought that up. All the stuff with Saw is really compelling, I- including that Forrest Whitaker makes these kind of big, weird choices that, that make him, uh, even though everything in the scene is deadly serious, they make him fun, right? You kind of don't mm-hmm. know quite, <laughs> mm-hmm. is this one going to be loud? Is this one going to be soft? Is it going to get loud halfway through? What's going on? You know, uh, his delivery is is fascinating. That makes it fun. Uh, his, his militancy and obsessiveness right it's it's what we're seeing from some of the other uh characters that are more on the imperial side of only i can do it right Uh, only i understand um Mm. is really really powerful but i'm glad you brought it up in particular because i think luthan you know uh preaching stronger together Mm -hmm. is another glimmer of hope in this episode that luthan despite the militancy that that he displays when he needs to he gets it right yeah he he gets it's 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 a bigger picture thing and and how and how you'd really make this happen Uh, you know how the rebellion's going to make their dreams come true but i love that 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 uh description of whatever our final vision of success looks like and number one hey he still believes yeah i think it's key and and it's a lot of what you're talking about earlier about luthan of uh yeah people are going to suffer then turn and say god this sucks uh, and I need to believe it, you know, and, and to see in the face of Saw, who's so compelling, and I love Forrest Whitaker, um, to, in the face of that, you're right. I think to be like, what you're doing, Saw, is valuable. I need you. but It's not going to work. And we need to find this bigger way. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's a glimmer of hope because we're rooting for the rebellion. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, rooting for the rebellion, we are going to take a quick break and we will be back to continue our discussion. Back in a moment. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we're back to continue our discussion of episode 8 of Andor Narkina 5 is the title. We're going to talk some of the canon surprises, fun connections. It feels weird to say the word fun uh, in such a <laughs> uh, intense episode. Uh, but it was, of course, great canon-wise to see uh, both Saw and good old uh, Two Tubes, uh, which I did uh, pump my fist. And yay, I don't care if it's Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen uh, because it, I am not just excited to see two tubes because I recognize that 
it's because what he means, the longevity of his relationship, the longevity of his fight uh, with mm. Saw, how long this has been going on. Next time I watch Rogue One, it's going to feel even, even richer. Uh, how did you feel in terms of like the, just the whole kind of, uh, we'll talk about the list of rebel groups separately. I just want to talk about seeing Saw, seeing his operation. How did that uh, uh, affect you in terms of, you know, why we like canon, why we like lore, how it contributes to the story? Yeah, I think, I think uh, uh, when you, in, in moments like these, uh, you know, the uh, strict adherence to canon is dangerous for art and storytelling and it is perhaps uh poisonous for fans i think when you lean on it too heavily and, and uh, sorry if that's a strong statement uh but it doesn't mean i don't love canon and and love lore like this uh because i'm now more invested we'll get to melshi but i'm more uh, i've already clearly clearly invested in saw but just seeing them seeing them on a different spot the fact that it's not jetta like i think i initially thought it might have been but segra milo mellow something mm-hmm. like that. yeah i didn't write it down uh, the, so they're moving around, uh, more offs in the background, uh, two tubes up there, uh, this kind of, uh, the, the, the militant in the, in the caves vibe that's going on here. It's, it's very intentional about with Saw's character, uh, good, bad or otherwise. So, uh, no, I, 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 wish, I just want more. Uh, that's, that's the problem with me. You're just, I'm just going to say more Saw cause I've just been <laughs> intrigued to the journey and want to know more about where how they get to Jeddah and, and we know he's going to pop up in rebels and stuff going on there and like how's he going to f- fall apart even more uh, yeah mm-hmm. there's not much of him left he says to Jin in in Rogue One um yeah I think for me it's just it, it, it's I love these canon connections when this part of the the story this part of the galaxy exists and it would naturally overlap with uh, what we're seeing and again I know a lot of fans disagree I feel like in Mandalorian season two you know the, the, almost all of those characters not almost all all of those characters serve uh, Din's story they're the kind of characters he would encounter if he's searching for Mandalorians and Jedi yeah. um, uh, and people disagree I understand and is always uh, I respect that but we saw in particular um we're watching this series where Cassian, the title character, is extremely well aware of why the Empire should be fought. And it's just dragging his feet to get involved. Uh, Mothma and Luthen are poking so carefully and questioning, when can I take how bold of an action? And then, in contrast, uh, Saw's been doing this since season one of Bad Batch, right? Yeah. Right after uh, mm-hmm. the fall of the Republican Declaration of the Empire he's already forming this band to do yeah. this thing. And mm-hmm. on the one side, you know, seeing him is like, yeah, cool. He's, he's the guy who no holds barred knows what needs to be done. And he's been doing it for about 14 years. Yeah. And how much has he accomplished? Right. That's the value. That's the value of him. Not, I recognize him, but that, that meaning that he brings to the struggle for uh, uh, freedom from the empire. He's got he, he saw has got a lot of wonderful quotes that I've seen people use, and I I, I understand the the use of them in the context that they're trying to put it in, but but often I think it's a it's not a misinterpretation of, of Saw's words, but I think it's what you're saying. It's o- overlooking Saw's lack of true results. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Because he's still I you know, I'm still I'm clearly on his side, but yeah, because I thought about that too. Going not only Onderon, and you, you had some great insight about Steel Agrera up top in this episode. Um, but I thought about Bad Batch. That's that's day one. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you're right. And here you are. And it's not that I expect him to move into some palatial estate or compound. The fact that he's still hiding out isn't, you know, indicative of, of a failure, but it's just mm-hmm. like, it's the same. It's the same. And you talked about no forward movement in this episode. This guy's two steps forward, 19 back at times during his career. Yeah. Yeah. And in, I think looking at his whole, whole canon, he, he does some brutal things, but you know, he helps some people he, yeah. he, trying to help the Wookiees in, in Jedi fallen order, um, all that kind of stuff. So he, he is making a difference, but I think what Luthen and Mothma understands is like, this is a massive system and we have to build some other system that can dismantle the empire, not just nip at it, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. The other sort of canon thing that was interesting to me is uh, when they're talking about Luthen possibly selling him uh, some some tech, uh, Luthen says to him, not every operation is as flush as yours. Yeah. And I have no idea if this was a, a, a fun and to me meaningful deep cut, but I believe it's the novelization of Solo where we see the coaxium that Han gives to Enfys Nest in Solo. Enfys uh, mm-hmm. you know, says this is the, the you know, uh, will give you know blood that will give life to something new mm-hmm. um and in the novelization she delivers it to saw right yeah and that uh would have been about five years before this so it's a part of me is like is saw still sitting on coaxium money in this scene oh yeah yeah he was uh yeah he's an early bitcoin investor before it all went away. <laughs> yeah no he's got money no i think that's a great deal and, and, and that's one of the things where does, does Bo Willeman go, oh, you know, I want to connect it to that? I, not necessarily, but when things are in line and the emotional canon lines up, it's beautiful and it is purposeful. You're just telling the same story, meaning like you're building it out. And that you and I have already said Solo connects to, to Andor in, in beautiful ways. Yep. Uh, it really does. I hope people reevaluate Solo um, for this depth. Some You might even join on, on the Pulp Adventure side, which you, you should as well. But I absolutely feel it. And that's novelization, which is, I, I thought uh, Mer Lafferty did a great job with that novelization. So, yeah, I, I love that moment, too. I love what you're saying. It's, it was a key line. And, it, and I love this. So it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. We do have some money. No sale for you. <laughs> no sale for you. Yep. Uh, the cost is is playing with this person. And in, in, in Saw's lines, Kriegers and an ox. Slow and slow. That's stupid. Kriegers and ox. God, so great. Uh, and then to top himself, the the list of different uh, rebel-affiliated groups, he says, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about this. Krieger's a separatist. Maya pays a neo-Republican. The Gorman Front. The Partisan Alliance. Sectorists. Human cultists. Uh, galaxy partitionists. They're lost. Mm. Uh, how, how did you feel about hearing that list, some uh, of which are, you know, familiar to us? Um, some of which I, I, you know, I, I didn't fully Google. Maybe, maybe the, I know who Maya Pai is. I, I don't write off the top of my head. But what was powerful to me about it is suggesting from Luthen's perspective that they are generally aligned, but Saw's really obsessed on the differences. H- how did you feel about all that? I, I, I in, a, in a Star Wars sense, it was a lot of fun. It's, it's there's so many more, more stories to tell. I think you and I said early on what's happening at Ferrix is one planet and it's happening everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's key to the Star Wars story. It's key to what it's trying to communicate. Uh, it's, it's, it adds importance to what Luthen is trying to say. It's like he's saying, yeah, look at this. And, and it's all, we're, we're setting up this connection because the, the network's in places or whatever the line he said to Mothma a couple episodes ago, but it's not going to succeed. So just, it put a lot of added pressure as long as, as well as being 
you know, tip of the iceberg storytelling. Not that we're going to get a, uh, you know, uh, 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 what are the uh, galaxy partitionist story? Maybe we will. Uh, maybe in a comic series, uh, five shot, uh, five issue shot there. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I really like, I really liked it. And, and, and like I connected to, to the, the themes, Luther going, yeah, you need to work with them. And, and him going, nah, they, they all don't know what they're doing. Only I do. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, for me, it was really fun in the sort of canon, like, Ooh, Krieger's still being a separatist. Does that mean right. that, that, um, uh, Saul thinks he's stuck in the past or that he still wants that political goal of these exact planets that were, uh, the separatist Alliance. That's what I want. I want them I still have that the goal of the Clone Wars for these people to form a government called the Separatists, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Neo Republican suggests like I don't want to be a part of an a, alliance to restore mm-hmm. the Galactic Senate. I want an in, entirely different republic. Um, yeah. The Gorman Front, we know the Gormans are having a real hard time. So it sounds like those they're probably just kind of a, a localized freedom fighting organization, um, much like Champs and Dula's uh, Twi'leks. Uh, the Partisan Alliance. That one is interesting to me since Saw's group is often described as partisans. Yeah. Uh, sectorists, which sounds like maybe like they're like, we shouldn't have a big galactic government. Right, <laughs> Should right. be sector by sector. Human cultists, uh, perhaps the most <laughs> interesting thing to lump in there. I, I, you know what I took that as? As a, a couple of like uh, 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 Zabriks from Dathomir. Or like, we're in this fight too, just our way. <laughs> yeah yeah are these cultists who worship humans are they are they is that is that what he means for um is that what he calls the path right yeah yeah is that what he calls people who still have reverence for, yeah. for the jedi right, right. are they yeah. you know human cultists because they revere this uh, force thing yeah that's interesting galaxy partitionists that also sounds to me like the sectorists like they're like nope here's the way we think it should be all divided up i i thought it was fun for canon to be like are we going to meet these factions in books comics whatever um but also the this the real world picture of it if we all agree uh the empire needs to go but what might replace it yeah yeah danger of them uh all right then let's move on to ruse scott melshi uh, so for people who, uh, didn't immediately go, ah, oh, it's Melshi. Uh, he was a sergeant in the, uh, rebel Alliance to restore the Galactic Republic. Uh, he is the one who extracted Jin from Obani and gets hit in the face with a shovel for his efforts. <laughs> uh, and he dies on Scarif, uh, from blaster wounds after, uh, mm. leading, uh, the charge along with Lieutenant, uh, Cephla. Um, so Ken, you were excited to see Melshi. I was excited to see Melshi as well. Why were you excited? Uh, two, two, so two reasons. I, I remember in the stories, you know, we cover the news cycle so much. I, I, there had been the, the actor had said that he was going to be an Andor, and I think he might have said season two or mm. something like that. That was in my head, um, and so I just assumed. Well, as we move closer to Rogue One, we'll meet up with him. Maybe when Andor joins up and gets his uniform, Melshi's there, right? Like different. And funny enough, that kind of happened, just different. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Some real not good uniforms. I mean, yeah, yeah. good good Star Wars design on those prison jumpsuits, but not yeah. a suit you want to be wearing. Yeah, yeah, Lucas would be proud. Uh, but yeah, then when the reveal happens and all the names and he just pops up Melshi and, you know, there's no music cue and anything like that. Not that I would have, I wouldn't have minded that, by the way. Um, it just, I don't know. I literally went, oh, Melshi. Then I thought about Luthan going, don't you want to give it all to something real? Like, oh, his ending. But 
it, it adds it adds it, it adds depth and and, and and you know there's going to be a little bit more uh, clearly uh you know they're going to form some sort of connection whether they escape together whatever it's going to happen but it's just it, it, it's one of those things again you talk about it he would be there you could probably pull five names from rogue one and and, and talk merrick could have been there like but like it, it, it just it just was a, a surprising use of it i wasn't expecting him there and it, it just kind of felt like Oh, home, you know, death for the rebellion, the sweet home of that. But I, I really like the use of it. Yeah, I, I think one of the strengths of Andor has been, you know, f- fulfilling that promise of we're not dealing with a bunch of legacy characters. We know, we know Saw's mm-hmm. end, we know Mothma survives, but then everything else is kind of no, no holds barred. And there has been a like, now by episode eight of like, should I write down these prisoners' names? Because I wrote down a lot of names that aren't around anymore. Right, uh, right, right. <laughs> and I mean that in kind of a, a joking way to say there's this great tension of should I invest in characters? Right. And Melshi, there's this power of uh, it is worth investing in this character and in this this character getting fleshed out. And particularly, it's worth investing in the relationship between him and Cassian. Yeah. He's one of the people that Cassian can go to and say, the alliance isn't going to believe Jen. They're not. They're not going to go with her her plan. But I think we should. Are you with me, old pal? Yeah. And and to see that connection being built to Rogue One is great. And in this whole show that has been about uh, the the personal and the ideological, and we're we're wondering to see what what pushes Cassian to say no more. I'm going to give everything to the cause. Right. To know that both he and Melshi get into that place and know that they have this real bond, that they can look at each other and they can remember the hell of that prison. Mm. Melshi is a part of the rebellion. Can maybe be reminded by Cassian of like, remember when you were so broken when we met, you told me there was no hope. And now Mm. we're spending our our days Mm -hmm. fighting for a tiny, tiny chance of hope. That rebellions are built on hope. And Melshi starts his relationship with Cassian by grabbing him by the shirt and saying, there is no hope. Yeah, no, look, I, it's, I'm not even making it as a joke, but like at some point Cassian might be like, hey, so I read this manifesto by this guy named Nemec and uh, he <laughs> once questioned me about being hopeless. And uh, here we go. Let me yeah, seriously. And I don't think it's going to be that direct. Maybe it will. But I, I absolutely think you're right. Yeah. Nemec, Melshi, Melshi, Nemec. Yeah. Love it. Want that? I want that uh, that uh, manifesto to uh, to mm-hmm. play a large part. Um, yeah. Then for other uh, canon stuff, you know, it's great to always to see aliens at the Mon Mothma party. In particular, there was an Abednego, uh, which is really good because Abednegoes are all over the sequel trilogy. Good to know that they were around back in the yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. I, I don't think I want uh, the the prison didn't seem to have a lot of uh, aliens, uh, which could be very purposeful or. or or who knows, budget reasons. I don't know. Um, so it's nice to see them. They're all they're often up at, uh, at Mothma's house. So yeah, they're like they're they're the uh, could could be budget stuff. I was thinking about that too. But there is that really interesting part at the top of the episode where the uh, short troopers are grilling the prisoners about what home planet they're from mm-hmm. and deciding where they go based on that. And I wonder if that's kind of a a scary. Um, what are you? What kind of work are you best at? What kind of work are you? F- physically capable of and you know hey we're not we're not sending wookies uh to that that place we got a better use for wookies and trandosians and you know 
Yeah, yeah, and it, it doesn't hold me up at, at all. And I think you make you, a headcanon point of maybe it's also to divide even more. Let's keep the humans over here. Let's keep uh, Wookiees over there, Trandoshans over there. I, 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 any of them work for me. Um, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, but you just see it. You notice it too. You know, you see it like, oh, okay. But yeah, uh, I wouldn't expect it. To, I don't. I don't need it to be another way right now. Yeah, they're not wasting an alien with seven arms in, in that facility, <laughs> right? I mean. Oh yeah. Well, that wouldn't be fair to the tables. You, one of the tables has someone with seven <laughs> arms, and they're going to build more engine parts. Yeah. Then, then you got a lot mm-hmm. of problems. A lot of problems. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any other canon details that uh, jumped out to you? Totally tiny ones. First of all, to finally have Snoke show up in Star Wars again, just great. And I know a lot of people <laughs> are going to make that joke. It's hacky, but I don't care. Uh, Kino waiting for his head injury. Right? Yeah, uh, are right. they going to drop that machinery on uh, on Koi's head? Yeah. Yeah, Circus is a, is a great performer. I made the reference to him being the, the ship chef in King Kong because um, back then I just didn't know what Circus, I didn't know what he looked like, quite frankly, as much as I you know would eventually learn that. And so I remember watching King Kong at halfway through the movie. I'm like, why is that guy sound, who is that guy? And, oh, Gollum. God. So it's always good to see him. And he's shown up in a lot of things too. It is, it is a great uh, director, second unit, unit director on Hobbit. It's great to see him do some stuff here uh, and, and does it well. And he's got such a hulking frame, you know, I don't know what he benches, but he works out. He's just, it was a great, powerful presence. Fun to see him there. Uh, and a couple of little ones uh, the, the, the sto- I, I, I'm so bad. I, I don't compete in trivia anymore, the, the, but the like the stormtrooper blaster from a new hope. <laughs> Not the E11, but the one that the the guards are holding. It's like a classic blaster. They uh, look like DH-17s, uh, yeah. which is the rebellion blaster. Rebellion one. Yeah, thank you. Which is yeah, interesting. Right? Of like, uh, it, I I kind of kept waiting. Like, are they building KX units? Like, I, I was mm-hmm. Anders not you know being too too tidy with anything, right? It, yeah. It's it got canon and lore that's connected in well, but like. Yeah. I think they're careful to not do two on the nose, but there's a part of me is like, they have rebel blasters. Uh, yeah. Just like, does, is Cassian going to get a big crate of them when he breaks out of this prison? <laughs> Maybe right. Uh, no, good, pull, good, good correction on my note there. Yeah. And then the final one, uh, because I'm such a fan of solo like you uh, and uh, like do likes, even though they're, they're uh, uh, all short troopers are, are bleep bleeps. Um, I like there's the patrol speeder from solo. The ones that are on Corona, mm. it's there on Ferrex. And I just like oh. that. Really cool. Oh, that's great. I totally missed that on uh, on Trooper Watch. Uh, yeah. When I watch uh, my third viewing of this episode with my wife will be tonight, and right. and I, uh, I'll, I'll need to cling to some some fun things, so I'll yeah, be on. Yeah. I think it's making fun of the hotel. Trooper. Yeah, it's just a little patrol speeder uh, that's there. So you got to yeah. imagine a uh, little patrol, patrol trooper might be around. Yeah, not a canon thing, but there's so many great details to mention. I also love the very quick interaction that the uh, Empire taking over the hotel has destroyed the economy right. of the town. Everything the Empire touches dies. Yes, no, and 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 then it, it, yeah, absolutely. Connect, again, connecting to Solo when when the the boot of oppression goes down and then business industries destroyed, it's changed. The, the stuff in Corellia with Han and his dad, it's it's all connected. Love it. Yep, yep, absolutely. Okay, so let's go on to what will probably be our longest segment for this episode: action moments. Wait, no. Uh, on, I think there's only a couple things uh, that could be considered. Actual action. I know you have fun uh, slipping in uh, some some different takes on action, yeah. um, which you are of course welcome to do. But uh, this is the beginning of a of another arc. Um, this is a lot about characters being stymied. Um, I I don't consider horrific physical 
torture <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be uh, favorite action moments for myself. So I'm not going to include those. Where do you go for action moments? Yeah, you can only look for action of the heart. Uh, and uh, I, I, I do think uh, Marva uh, trying to find a tunnel. We don't even see it. We hear about it. That's an action. That's an act of rebellion. And uh, uh, right now she's hurt for it. She's sick. I, I, by the way, that's heartbreaking when B2 was like, she has p -p -p pain in her knee. Like, oh, <laughs> <I know. laughs> oh it's like when a dog knows you're not feeling well. Um, yes, I'll put that there. The action of the heart. Uh, yeah, B2 emo is, is I, I know you have the, the chihuahuas, but my, mm -hmm. my chihuahua growing up, Nico, was, was uh, very intuitive. Mm -hmm. um, and it, B2 emo reminds you of it of like, like, uh, I feel like Nico knew when I had a bad day at school. I could feel like B2 Emo being like, he he, he had a depressing day at school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally. totally. Uh, yeah, great, uh, great stuff. Uh, it is not fun action, but I, I it, it was stirring because it seemed like action was going to pop off and you, there was so much hope in it, of, but but Bix deciding to run, right? Mm -hmm. and, and Brasso, not yet just fully... Uh, getting into the fight but kind of trying to fake stumble and block the stormtroopers mm. um that was that mm. moment where it feels like okay is this going to be the the brave moment is she gonna mm. you know get somewhere and hole up and like no she's captured no no yeah but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this episode challenges your heart it does it, it really does so uh let's move on from uh action to moments of comedy and whimsy. Uh, this was a darker episode for me, but there were some some turns of phrase that were uh, darkly funny and amusing to me. How about you? You got some? Uh, we did talk about uh, the man is an ox. Slow. That's stupid. I I'm going to probably use that in my real life at some point. Uh, no, two, two moments I'll share, and, I, and, and I'm, you might have had them as well. But uh, I do love the, the, open, uh, the, the Imperial uh, Security Bureau meeting where you, Lauren's just like, I'm listening. Just who hasn't, who hasn't done that or who hasn't experienced that? And Miro kind of uh, having to push on. Uh, come on. Tay saying to parent, well, charity begins at home. Sick burn, man. Sick burn. Oh, yeah. That that one was uh, probably uh, my favorite. Uh, parent says, good luck feeding the galaxy. I'm off to feed myself. And Tay says, charity begins at home. <laughs> That, I mean, I guess if I wanted to be to, to stretch my definition of action, I, I would include that whole scene between the three of them at the beginning. I was like, it's just under the surface. If it wasn't a polite thing of like, it would be fisticuffs, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so much stuff going yeah. on. Uh, a couple of things. The internet has been loving uh, Cassian's uh, brief cover name. He comes up with a brief cover name to party on beach planet and then gets stuck in a horrible prison having to tell people again and again that he's Kurgo, Keith Kurgo. Keith Kurgo. <laughs> the absolute opposite of Bond, James Bond. Kurgo. <laughs> Keith Kurgo. Yeah. Uh, he's, I couldn't have come up with a better name. Yeah. And uh, Karn is, is, Cyril Karn is, is wound so tight that even that, you know, serious scene between him and, him and in Dead Ramiro at the beginning of, you know, like you've reported, you know, five false uh, statements looking for Cassian Andor and six, actually. <laughs> I wasn't talking about today's. Yeah. There's a, yeah. Card is, yeah. Again, Kyle Solar. I, I just been personally a big fan of his work because uh, it's hard yeah. not to laugh with him at some of the things that he's dealing with, but I'm rooting against him. Yeah, um, this was one of those moments that it, it, I would say it's more whimsy, like even in this uh, really serious, uh, really heavy episode of Star Wars, there's still some of that fun, weird, 
Sometimes things in Star Wars have like elaborate science fiction names, and then sometimes they're just sort of blatantly called what they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it it uh, amused me in a dark way that the prison guard was like, uh, "Watch out for my zap rod." <laughs> 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 the the Andor episodes are uh, written in a massively sophisticated style, and then this weapon was named by a five year old. And uh, I don't mean that as an insult. That's a no. part of Star Wars that I like. Yeah, no, I agree with you too. Yeah, even even Andor, which is pretty serious, uh, and at times borders on taking itself serious, you know, at times. And and don't run with that. Anyone saying it in major criticism, but I I love that Star Wars always has those reminders. Clon. Yep. Or gullet, zaprod. Yep. There's there. No matter where you go, there's always a zaprod somewhere in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, two others for me. Um, I I, I liked uh, everything with the the squigs with the traditional Chandrillon drink with the the squirmies in it. Speaking and and yeah. yeah, get getting that picture of Chandrillon culture and how big that is uh, for Mon Mothma and her and her family. Um, but I loved it when uh, when. Uh, Mon had what appeared to be the traditional sort of cheers, the salancha, the sagrona, and then the, uh, what are we toasting? Mothma, a quick night. <laughs> Perrin, hmm, I'll drink to that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that weird moment when you're having, not having a great relationship with someone, and the mm-hmm. only thing you can really bond on is the fact that you're both not enjoying the relationship. <laughs> Uh, it, it reminded, it's a small, tiny version of a great season one Game of Thrones conversation between Robert Baratheon and Cersei Lannister, where they're like, what keeps our the realm together? You know, our marriage, which we hate each other. And it's just, it's a wonderful scene. Oh, yeah. Had the same vibes. Had the same vibes. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a great Game of Thrones pull as always. Uh, last one is another Sagrera quote of somebody sitting on some dosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I even loved the, it, it was heavy in the themes and everything, but I loved kind of this game of uh, Eva Luthan going, did you do Aldani? I didn't. You did, didn't you? No, I definitely didn't. Well, that makes me, that's something I would, I, I love that little interplay. Yeah, and agreeing that it was a masterpiece, right? That yeah. they're both trying to do these kinds of things. Yeah, fascinating uh, yeah. stuff. Uh, which brings us to our favorite Luthan line or noise of the episode. What do you got? You know, always some good size and, and, and we play it with a little humor in the section. But I do love, you know, the the, the question of, of, you know, saw asking, uh, who are you, uh, Luthen? And, and I think that's what a lot of us are asking or actually asks, what are you, Luthen? I've never known. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, that pause, Stellan Skarsgård taking that pause and just answering, you know, I'm a coward. Uh, and explaining, you know, um, I, I really love that moment. Maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe, just maybe love Luthen even more. Yeah, no, it definitely got into the the complexity of the character. Um, yeah, I, I liked his uh, really firm. We need to pull together, saw. Um, but my real favorite was the. Uh, I think he says it once to Clea, and then once really to himself. I'm not slipping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I perhaps talk to myself too much, so I kind of like it when I feel like characters are actually talking to themselves. Totally. Uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on in this episode that you wanted to? Uh, no, no. The only thing I, I wanted to make sure we touched upon that little detail, the guard missing and everything. I just, you know, we did, uh, we worked it in, but uh, I highlighted it again of just like, just in terms of fun plot stuff, it might mean nothing, but I had this like, that, they spent a lot of time on that. Oh, <laughs> it's a lot no. of time on that. Yeah. It really felt like Cassian, like we, we kind of learned that when there was all that tension of him being added to the Eldani crew and, and learning how huge of a risk Luthen took to get him involved. 
then I think there's really effort to remind us throughout those episodes that he does have skills. He's observant, right? The whole thing about uh, who should march where based on their dominant blaster arm, you know, Mm -hmm. it really felt like it was a part of that story of Cassian is hugely valuable to this effort when he chooses to get involved because of his skills. Yeah. 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 So I like that a lot. Uh, There are a couple of just aesthetic details that I really liked. The establishing shot of Narakina five was a great a Star Wars shot, that small blue world floating over that that big brownish world. It just, mm-hmm. It's a great shot. I agree with that. No, the design of it, even the prisons, the water, um, just the scope when Andy, when Andor's looking out and just like he is one man and this is there's thousands upon thousands of them there. Yeah, no, and, and uh, obviously there is uh, some visual similarity to some of the uh, the dystopian society of THX 1138, Lucas's mm-hmm. uh, film. Uh, there's some relationship to uh, the aesthetic of some of the prisons we've seen in Clone Wars to even to the cloning facility of this sort of it just goes on and on. Uh, so a lot there to like. Um, also, final thing I wanted to shout out is Captain Tigo, who is working on uh, uh, Ferex. Uh, and we, we met with him wanting a little bit of a higher station. Um, and I liked his I don't like him, but I liked his uh, leathery imperial cape jacket. Oh, okay. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, sorry, another 45 minutes in the episode. Um, I have been. <laughs> I love. I love the uniforms here, um, but they they they're they're played very real, right? That's a very real uniform. Gorn's uniform. It's not quite like it doesn't look. Uh, it looks like he picked it up down at Ross Dress for Less because it was rainy. Like, and I like that. And and it's similar to the vibe. <laughs> I, I I love the opening scene of Rogue One. Uh, with Krennic, it just, it looks so real and not that other parts of Star Wars don't, but you know what I mean? Like I, it, mm-hmm. it's their choice. It's like a rain slicker. Like it's like, it, it's, ve- and I just, it's this Andor has expanded the Imperial outfits in a weird way <laughs> that I enjoy again, not rooting for him, but um, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I had a reaction to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because like, ooh, I kind of want an action figure of him. No, I don't. I want an action figure of his cape. Just the cape, not him. His cape, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take the ranking off and I'll wear the cape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, any predictions or hopes for next episode? Uh, hope being, uh, uh, ho- ho- uh, it's, so, <laughs> it's so funny. This is a true story. Uh, our, our pal Steve Ellis from Black Series Rebels just texted me during the show and he says, what were they building in the prison? And I just text back, hope. Uh, I, <laughs> I really want that to, to pay off. I really want to move forward. Um, uh, and, and they're going to get out of there, man. They got to get out of there. Something's got to happen. Uh, Cassian doesn't spend six years in this prison. Uh, it's not a spoiler to think that or, or say that. So uh, I'd like, I'm not saying I'd like action. This is another arc. So maybe we're going to have one, two, and then third is the action. I don't know. Maybe it'll break up the format. I just want to see that. I want to see Cassian because, because to me, that would be Cassian. Uh, uh, not decide. It's deciding to not accept this this fate or this destiny to to make a choice to to do something else. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. Like maybe the prison uh, escape, which feels inevitable, one could guess. You know, uh, from Cassian's timeline and from from shots and trailers, that maybe that would start in the next episode. We've been told this is a three episode arc. Maybe it is the, the there will be simmering building and and next episode people will decide to try it and then the third episode will actually be doing it um but the big question for me is yeah what get does cassian remain passive in this he seems trapped by the system he is part of the imperial machinery and they got him building imperial machinery Uh, we don't know what you know uh but 
is he is somebody going to get to him and knowing Marva is suffering, is that going to motivate him? Is something even more horrible going to happen uh, at the prison? Is nothing going to motivate him yet? And somebody is going to find him. And is, you know, Cyril Karn trying to get to him? Does mm-hmm. Luthen succeed in finding him? The the why of Cassian breaking out is the thing I'm most curious about. Yeah, the, I, yeah, the why. Oh, I'm, I'm here for that why. Yeah. And now I'm also just waiting for uh, Lita to somehow... Uh, uh, Almost uh, destroy the rebellion because she thinks her her mom, uh, who she's mad at, she thinks her dad is cool, uh, and she doesn't like old banker Tay yeah. sniffing around her mom. I look, and it's I I like I I, I empathize with you, Lita. I, I I'm sure things aren't great, and, and you're going through a tough time. Mm-hmm. I, I totally get it, but yes, I, this episode in particular. I, I went from like, well, she's kind of tough to deal with, but aren't they all right? I, I felt like Tay, right? And But this episode, I'm like, I literally kind of pointed the screen like, I don't, you're doing something. You're doing something. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and now for the most challenging question of this episode. Uh, we try to end things fun by saying what merch would you want based on these episodes? It's challenging in a dark episode like this, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, I want a feeding tube system because sometimes I just hate deciding what to eat. <laughs> and I don't want to compete against others to get taste or flavor. No, you just want, yeah. You know, there are those days, like I was talking about, if just forgot to eat dinner last night. If yeah. I had a, a, a feeding tube with flavor stuff in it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think I'd be okay with that. Uh, I want an action figure, not of Captain Tigo, but his cape. Uh, hopefully, uh, maybe Cassian or, or Bix uh, disguise themselves wearing Captain Tigo's cape, and then I could get that action figure. Uh, then I think the only other merch I want is, hey, it's time It's time for Galaxy's Edge to add some new drinks. And how about uh, Chandrillin Squigs? <laughs> oh, yeah, because you could put a gummy worm in there, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You and, so. you know, you could... The suggestion that you're a real lush by having two. I want two squigs. Yeah, I like that. Mm, I don't two like squigs again, sir. <laughs> I don't want the real worm, but I'll take the gummy. <laughs> there we go. That's the most important point made in our podcast. Uh, <laughs> let's keep the worms gummy around here. All right. That is our big look at episode eight of Andor. Uh, Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Thanks to everyone who watched the live Q&A last week. We're going to do it again and more on the way. You can also like us on Facebook uh, at Force Center Podcast. We are available on a lot of different spots. Just search. You'll find us. But places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. If you want to leave us a rating or a review on an, uh, a podcast spot that takes them, we'd love to do have you do that as well. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and even TikTok if you want to uh, at Ken Napsock. I'm trying to force myself to post my videos again. Uh, and also my website, kennapsock.com. Information on upcoming comedy shows. If you're listening like today uh, or even tomorrow, Friday night, Mark Ellis and I will be at the Crocodile, great rock club in downtown Seattle. Uh, tickets available. Come on out and see us. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my YouTube channel where I'm posting some more comedy bits and some short films. You can go to YouTube and search for Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, I believe if everything goes the way I want it to uh, by tomorrow, Thursday, 
Uh, I will be releasing a short comedy horror film. Uh, you've heard me talk about it. Uh, I am in it. Uh, Ken is in it. Our friend Mark Ellis is in it. And it is called Peace Fight. So uh, go check that out on YouTube when it's up. And please, you know, like, subscribe, all the things that people always ask you to do to YouTube videos would be great. Thank you for the number of people who uh, have subscribed, been very supportive. We're very, very lucky to have such a supportive audience here uh, on Four Center. And as always, uh, is we, we want to make this a, a welcoming space and we want to be um, clear when we're going to go a little bit uh, harder on, on real world stuff. So uh, thank you everyone for sticking around for that. Andor has always seemed like a show that's uh, really going to bring that out. And, and we think it's uh, important to uh, reflect on that aspect of Star Wars as well as celebrating everything else uh, that is fun and wonderful and insightful about it. So thank you all very much for myself for Ken, for Mon Mothma's troubled marriage, this has been the Andor Report. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.